Welcome to the Leaders Lead, Leaders Read podcast, where we share examples of leadership through book reviews and some interviews. I am Dr. Shantae Scroggins, your guide to the lessons on leadership found in biographies, textbooks, fiction books, faith-based books, and more. Welcome back, leaders. For this episode of Leaders Lead, Leaders Read, our feature today is The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. The author is Rebecca Skloot, S-K-L-O-O-T, and the copyright on this book is 2011. Now, I did learn after reading this book that it's required reading for some in the healthcare profession. And I think that's a great thing. But of course, my lens is being leadership. There are several things in this story that really point to poor leadership. But, and here's the disclaimer, the backdrop of the story, the life and legacy of Henrietta Lacks The backdrop is racial, yes. Cultural, yes. Time-bound, yes, for the time that this all began in the set of cultural norms that were in play then. But then there's an important element of this Henrietta Lacks story that is important to the leadership discussion, and that is ethics. Ethics. There are there's a passage I'll read to you from the book that points to some ethical controls in the medical field very early on, but the author was clear to note these ethical controls were not law. Ethics is not required. It is definitely recommended for leadership, but it's not required. The individual leader has the choice, which is part of my little soapbox belief of why we don't have an internationally agreed upon meaty substantive definition of leadership. Uh, We have a continuum of leadership. And because ethics is a choice, I won't call it optional or elective, but it is a choice for the individual leader. We have different kinds of leadership theory. It makes room for the theory where on the quote-unquote positive end, we've got servant leadership and steward leadership and transformational leadership, charismatic leadership. I would put that somewhere in the middle of the spectrum to the quote-unquote negative end where we've got destructive leadership, toxic leadership, pseudo-transformational leadership, which would be in the bridge from middle to negative. And, And we can just go on and on on the individual Uh, smaller, nuanced theories that have come forward for leadership. So that's just my little introduction for prepping you on who would enjoy this book. Uh, If you're a history buff, you're going to love The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. If you're in the medical profession, you've probably already read it. But if you are a student of leadership and need a real life case study that can serve for some really good foundation for a debate, then this would be a great selection. 
we begin by finding out a lot about Henrietta Lacks as a person. This book does chronicle the the different ways her family was uninformed and how things affected them. And it leaves room for the reader to guess or dream or imagine what could have happened to put Henrietta Lacks's family in a more positive position. But we find out that early on when she went in to have an exam, she was in a lot of pain and it was a cervical carcinoma that she was diagnosed with. But what happened, what we find is the doctor who saw her and I'm quoting now, like many doctors of his era, used patients from the public wards for research, usually without their knowledge. At this time, many scientists believed that since patients were treated for free in the public wards, it was fair to use them as research subjects as a form of payment. So this would be equivalent to maybe the county hospital where you live, where there everybody can be treated as opposed to a private hospital situation. And a man who becomes very important to this story is George Guy, pronounced Guy spelled G-E-Y. And he and his wife were trying to grow the first immortal human cells. And George Guy really gets the credit for discovering this quality in what have been known, come come to known as the HeLa cells, H-E for Henrietta, L-A for Lax. And there's also a thread there of her not being properly identified for many years. Anyway, there's a, a, a term in here, chapter eight, titled A Miserable Specimen, where the author explains a concept called benevolent deception, that this was a common practice in the 1950s where doctors often withheld even the most fundamental information from their patients, sometimes not giving them any diagnosis at all. They believed it was best not to confuse or upset patients with frightening terms they might not understand, like cancer. Doctors knew best, and most patients didn't question that, especially Black patients in the public wards, end quote. So you start to see that you can look at leadership from a systemic point of view, depending on the institution. So we can move from the institution of medicine into the institution of religion, into the institution of education, into the institution of entertainment, and we could probably find a similar struggle, tension type of story as with Henrietta Lacks. Now, here's something interesting about George Guy. He was in it for the research. And even though his motive was research driven, it really did put blinders on him where he was almost unaware of the impact to the family of long-term repercussions. And he becomes annoyed many years later, because when he realized his discovery of an immortal cell, he didn't patent it. He didn't take legal course 
to set up boundaries, to set up policies. He gave them away to whoever wanted them. And so very early on, the Heli cells went around the world. And there was this fixation on the Heli cells. There were other cells to work with, but they didn't take off like Henrietta cells. So the author says, Guy was relieved that companies had taken over Heli distribution so that he didn't have to do it himself, but he didn't like the fact that Heli was completely out of his control. So kind of a catch-22 there. He really didn't do much to put any order around the process. Now, up to this point, I'm at page 131 where... I'm going to mention this passage about ethics, but I want to want you to note that Rebecca Skloot, the author, really, I can only imagine how much effort it took for her to have such an easy read. The content could read like a textbook. It could be very dense, but it's not. She does introduce new terms, explain new terms, and bring them back in ways that you don't have to flip back to page 10 to remember what she said originally. So that's that's a very good thing about this book. You don't have to be afraid of not understanding the content. It is readable for the non-medical brain. Now let's get to the ethics part and the legality of ethics. Rebecca Skloot mentions the Nuremberg trials that released a 10-point code of ethics now known as the Nuremberg Code. And she makes an important point that this code and the codes that would follow were not law. It was just a list of recommendations. It wasn't routinely taught in medical schools. And many American researchers at the time claimed not to know it existed. Even... Uh, the Hippocratic Oath, which was written in the fourth century, didn't even require patient consent. <laughs> in the United States, the author writes, the only way to enforce research ethics was in the civil courts. And so that's why I make the case that this book would be great for an ethics discussion in leadership and just how far people can go and how far people will go determined by their their personal boundaries, principles, and compass. Guy, in his initial excitement, George Guy, had given all of the original HeLa cells to other researchers and kept none for himself. And in the margin, if you're a note taker, I am, in the margin I wrote, geez, this guy, what was wrong with him? All of this erupted because, and I'm reading from my notes now that I wrote in the book, all of this was happened because George Guy was so ambitious, he was likely blinded by his goals. He did not do enough testing. He created no controls or boundaries, such as a copyright or a patent. Was his reputation trashed behind this, behind so much research now regarded worthless? If not, the Gila bomb seems an ironic revenge. Uh, there was a conference where another researcher uh, noted that 
there was a, a contamination factor with HeLa. So I, if I go any further, I'll get into more of the medical details, but this is a great read. Please consider it, uh, especially if you are a student of leadership, you lead discussions on leadership, you teach leadership. The Immortal Life of Henrietta, Henrietta Lacks is one that could really be turned in several ways. Several characters in this story, real people who at the time... Some may have thought they were making the right decisions. Others, right or wrong, was not even a factor. It was just what they could do within the realm of their authority. So please think about it. This book is amazing and it's upsetting and it gives clarity. And for the students of leadership, you're going to see the theories you love and the theories you've studied challenged and come to life in this book. So lead well. And until we come together again, read well. Leaders, they lead. Oh, leaders, they read. Oh, leaders, they lead and they read. Leaders, they lead. Oh, leaders, they lead. Leaders, they lead and leaders, they read. Leaders, they lead and leaders, they read.